0: Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome all our campuses on board today, all the way from Sydney to Rotorua to Whangarei and Kaitaia. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. <clears throat> Thank you for your support for New Zealand and beyond. It was fantastic to see so many of you from across the campuses coming and joining, us, especially... Uh, those from Tuvalu that came and also the, I think, 17 or 18 from uh, Sydney who uh, paid their own fare to get across here. But I am concerned that you didn't all buy my book. Joel's books are sold out. Sold out. All right. Mine are washed out. Please. Please. I beg you, <laughs> buy a book. You don't want the book and you've got some enemy you hate, buy one for them and give it to them. They may just get saved. $15, it is a good read. I think it's unbelievable actually. So, <laughs> I don't know why you'd buy Joel's book ahead of mine. I mean, do you have no discernment at all? <laughs> Much as I've taught you these years? <laughs> Hey, we are the most amazing, amazing, amazing conference. And that's why I'm wearing new era. I know it's an old t-shirt, but I believe seriously we stepped into a new era. Something has something has changed, something has moved, something has shifted. The God moments were amazing. In fact, I, I say one of the moments we had on the last morning was the most significant moment I think we've had as Church Unlimited, as, sorry, New Zealand Beyond over the 10 or 11 years, it was after Joel's message on so that. When you add so that to everything you want in your life, the Holy Spirit kicks in and you just go to another place, another dimension. So it was so good. So many people had moments with God, so many encounters with God. And, you know, over a 100 people were healed. Some with spinal conditions they've had for over 10 years. It was just amazing uh, how the power of God was demonstrated there. So I just want to say, well done across campuses, Church Unlimited. You are awesome. Seriously, you are amazing the way you run. And from every report I'm hearing, it was the most stress-free conference we've ever run. Remember in our prayer times beforehand, we said we're not going to go in with any stress. And that's actually happened to a large measure. And I didn't hear of anything that went wrong. There was nothing that seemed, there were obviously a few bits and pieces here But what a phenomenal effort by an amazing church, which is each and every one of you. Tell the person next to you, you are awesome. All right. So on your seat, you've got the registration form for 2019. Please, would you take a hold of it right now? Because I think you are going to fill it in this morning. We're praying and believing. We're going to give you the conference special today only, and that's $50. It will go up. And uh, uh, fi- um, if you get 15 tickets or more, which some have already done, numbers have done that, it's just $40. You might say, why on earth would I buy 15 tickets? Well, you go for yourself and your wife and family, whatever, if you're married. If you're not, find someone to get married to. And um, <coughs> and then you buy extra tickets, whether it's 15 or five or whatever. And then in faith, you believe, God, that you'll find people to bring to a life-changing conference. Honestly, so many lives will impact it. It is a great investment to make. So would you fill that form in even during the service this morning? And uh, all the prices will increase. The volunteer price is going up, all right? So volunteers on notice. It's $50 today. After that, away it goes, all right? So, And also don't forget to sign up for the kids as well. Uh, get, that was pretty much sold out this year so you want to get your kids in let's fill that trust arena next year yeah, we gave it a good shot on the Friday night we really did it was so exciting to see I was, yeah, I was jumping up and down and around it was pretty cool hey so here's a clip so you know what's coming up next year For this is for those who never got to this year's conference the rest of you saw it once or twice this is our theme your kingdom come what a great theme for next year first speaker is a legend around the globe. The point is this, the point is this, I just get on with my life and wherever I go and if I'm in a restaurant I'm just nice to the waitress or waiter or this person or that person and I'm just, you know, I'm taking the presence and i'm trying saying lord give me a little access point anywhere and if you do i'll talk about you i'll talk about you and you'll say like like moses but i'm not the right i don't talk well like i can't do this well and i'm not this and i'm not qualified and i'm not the and he and he'll say yeah but what do you got What's in your hand? Let's just start with what you have. But it won't just stop there. It won't just be because of what you have. It'll be strategically because of who you are. Because as God uses what you have and who you are for other people, it'll be a demonstration of God's power on the earth. I think Jesus is saying, the whole body or nobody. Come on, we've got to bring this body together. United as one, loving each other. And we'll shake this nation. That's uh, the confirmed speakers. We have one yet more international speaker that we're waiting for confirmation on that. So there's further to come on that. So, hey, that's a great lineup. People are saying to me, How on earth did you ever get Danielle Strickland? She is, she speaks for some of the biggest churches in the United States, Alan and Mike. Alan Scott and Mike Pillavati just said she is, uh, she's just something quite special to listen to. Salvation Army, but she's daring, she's bold, and she's making a difference in her community. Once we let the Sallies know she's here, that they'll fill the arena themselves. That's what I've been told, anyway. Believe me, she better be good because she costs a lot of money. Okay, <laughs> a lot of money. <clears throat> Thanks for being so cheap, Joel. <laughs> Just keeping him humble because all his books sold out and mine didn't. Just listen, I'm going to introduce Joel in just a moment. One person at the end of conference um, gave a donation of $10,000, which was just cool. It was amazing. It's not happened before. But can you listen across campuses? Because when I heard that, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, God has spoken to someone else, at least one other person to make a significant contribution to New Zealand beyond. I don't know who you are, I don't know where, which campus you're in, but there's someone, and the Lord has already spoken to you, it's already crossed your mind that you should do this. I'm just confirming that by the Spirit. So please, you know, obey what God is saying to you. Others of you, if you want to donate to this conference, can I just suggest buy tickets? You know, it's just an investment in the conference, even if you're not sure how many people you can bring, but if you want to give $100 or 200 or whatever, just buy tickets and then find people to give them to and that's just another way of donating to the conference okay we're ready we're ready for our guest speaker to come up and share with us well he needs no introduction from the United States of America, he just blessed our conference in a phenomenal way this year, come on stand to your feet let's give him a warm welcome to Joel Holm as he shares with us today.
1: Thank you. Hey Amen. You may be seated. Listen, for those of you who know me, you know that I'm really not into hype. I can't I can't do this, but would you please buy this so he will shut up once and for all? I am not into hype. So when you hear me say this, you know it is true. I have spoken at many, many conferences over the last decades. And for me personally, the last three days, God met me at a conference like he's never met me at a conference before. So I didn't come as a speaker as much as I came as a listener. And I want to encourage you with a thought around the conference. First of all, to those of you who are Church Unlimited and all the other campuses, thank you so much for taking the effort and the energy to come because your presence contributed to what God want to do. It's not just happening on a platform. It happens as you are there in your presence. In February, my wife and I got to go to Israel for 10 days. I had never been to Israel before. We knew last year in February we would be going to Israel. And I spent the year with my wife and we prepared for our trip. We read books. We prayed. We got excited. We went on TripAdvisor and looked at things to do. A year down the road, next year, New Zealand and beyond 2019, it's a long ways away. You've got a lot of stuff going on between now and then. You've got holidays. You've got vacations. Some of you will have new jobs. Some of you are getting married. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And it's easy to forget next year. And I really want to encourage you, just as a thought, maybe if today you buy your tickets. It's like a seed in the ground that says, I'm going to be really busy this year, But I'm not going to forget about it, and God's going to keep planting things in me for next year. So consider buying your ticket, not because the price is going to go up. We all know the price is not going to go up for a while. (laughs) Buy your ticket because you're making a statement to God about what you're hoping and believing He will do in you next year. All right? All right, good. Listen. I want to talk to you about something really specifically important for your life as a follower of Christ. The Bible says, if you don't have vision, people, with, my people, if they don't have my vision, they will perish. So oftentimes when we think about having a vision, we think about it in terms of purpose. What's your purpose for my life? And that's legitimate. But the Bible clearly talks about a vision for life, not just around purpose, but around people. Jesus loved the campus life. He went to his campus, whether it was in Sydney or Kaitai or here in Auckland. Regularly, Luke 4 says, on the Sabbath day, Jesus went to the synagogue, as was his custom. Jesus made attending a campus his priority. And he knew it was really important because what would happen when he attended his campus called the synagogue. You come into church and you don't really feel like worshiping. You've had a rough week. And the musicians start, and you don't feel like singing, but the person next to you begins to sing. And slowly, that spirit wafts over to you. And you begin to get a faith and a hope re-energized, and before you know it, your hands are up. You didn't start there, but horizontal worship takes place. And the value of the campus becomes really important to us. We hear the word together collectively, and it builds our faith. I was in my church in the sermon at that time. I was not giving it. was on caring and praying for each other and I'm walking in the plaza afterwards. And this 19-year-old kid stops me. He recognized me because I'm a teaching pastor at my church. And he said, how you doing, Joel? And I'm honest when people ask me a question. And I was doing okay. Not great, not bad. I said, I'm okay. He said, can I pray for you? And it kind of startled me. I said, yeah, you could. He grabbed my hand and he began to pray for me. Now, hundreds and hundreds of people are walking past us because it's on the plaza outside. They're walking past us going to their cars. And I'm sure all of them are looking at us, me with this 19-year-old kid, and they're going, look at Pastor Joel praying for our young people. What an amazing pastor he is. <laughs> it was exactly the opposite. Yeah. This 19-year-old was putting into practice what he had learned at his campus, and he really helped me. So Jesus loved the campus life, and he made it a priority. But he knew that there had to be more to our faith and devotion than just coming to campus once a week. There had to be these relationships that we carry. And I want to talk to you about three relationships you have to have in your life if you're going to thrive in your faith. It's not three relationships I came up with. It's actually a model that Jesus gives us. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to look at this model that Jesus gives us about the three relationships. Most of us here have one or two of them. Many of us do not have all three. And when you're missing one, you're really missing out. Okay, here's the story. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and his two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Many said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, but not as I will, but as you will. Picture this story. Jesus takes his 12 up the mountain and he sits there with these 12 And there's something about the relationship he has with these 12. The fact that when he has these 12, they're very different people. When you understand the type of the 12 that they are, you understand there's very different people. He doesn't get all the same people. They don't think the same way. They don't come the same vocation. They don't have the same gifting. They're all kind of different. And he says, listen, one of the relationships you have to have are people who are different than you. And we'll talk about what happens. But then he takes three of them farther up the hill. Peter, James, and John. And he talks to them and engages in them different than he did with the 12. And if you look at these three, what you realize is here's what Jesus says to them. My soul is full of anguish to the point of death. Basically, he's saying, guys, this is really hard for me. And he's looking for something from them. But he doesn't get it. They fall asleep when he asks them to pray. He needs something from them, but their lives are so messed up. They are broken in so many ways. Just a few hours later, Peter would betray him. They're broken in so many ways that he doesn't get what he wants, but he still invites them into his life. So with the 12, I discover I need a relationship with somebody who is different than me. But with the three, I discover that I need a relationship with somebody who is broken. Jesus sees these three. Their lives, you know, they're not in good condition. And yet he says, I'm going to invite you into my life. And he doesn't stop there then. Then he goes farther up the mountain by himself to the Father. And he says this, not my will, but your will. And Jesus puts himself in a relationship with the Father who has authority over his life. And this is a pattern that we get in Scripture. That says, listen, as a believer, you have to have these three relationships functioning in your life. You need a relationship with not just people who are like you, but people who are different than you. You need a relationship with not just really happy, good people that make life easy, but with a broken person that may make life difficult. You need a relationship with somebody not just to garner an opinion, but you need somebody in your life whose authority you submit to. These are these three relationships. So let's take a look at them a little bit more carefully. First, the 12, then the three, then the one. You need friends. We know that. But the 12 teach us that some of our friends need to be different. When Jesus picked the 12, he didn't pick all the same kind of people. Think of it. There's a one guy in the 12 that he picked was called Simon the Zealot. Zealots were basically terrorists. Their reaction to Roman rule was kill every Roman just destroy Rome. Simon the Zealot belongs to this terrorist group. Then he picked another guy named Matthew or Levi, the tax collector. Tax collectors were Jewish people, like Simon was Jewish people, but they were at the very opposite end. They were actually kind of in cahoots with the Roman government to try to glean as much taxes corruptly out of Jewish people. So he picks a guy who wants to kill Romans, and another guy who's actually in relationship with Romans, and he says, you're both gonna be in my life. And when we travel, you guys are gonna room together. (laughs) Why is he teaching us this? Because he knows if we're gonna thrive in our life, we need to have relationships with a people who are different than we are because they show us another side of Jesus that we won't see on our own or with people who are similar than we are. This happens through gifting, through our personalities. Tuck and I are about as different as you can get. And every time I'm around him, I discover another side of Jesus. That I don't discover if I'm just around a whole bunch of other jewels. It happens generationally. That's why the Bible so emphasizes the generations that are there. I was trying to influence a couple of young guys in their early 20s. To get connected to some older people. And they did. They built some relationships with a couple old guys. And they were were all attending a church where they had a church service that was really more traditional in orientation. And then they had a Sunday night service that was more for the young adults. And so these young guys went to the young adult service. And I said, go to the traditional service with them. See what God may show you. So they went to the early morning, Sunday morning traditional service, you know. And it starts out and they're singing a hymn, great is thy faithfulness. And I happened to go because I wanted to see what would happen. And you could tell at the beginning, these young guys are going, oh, jeez. When are they going to get to the good music? <laughs> and these two old guys stood up. And they lifted their hands. And they began to worship God. Great is thy faithfulness. And tears begin to come down their eyes. Because when you have lived on this planet for 60 or 70 years, you have seen the faithfulness of God in amazing ways. <laughs> now, when you have... When you've only lived on this planet for 20 years, you just haven't had the time to see the faithfulness of God. And as these old guys were lifting their hands, the young guys caught it. They discovered, wow, they've experienced God in ways and his faithfulness in ways we haven't. And they stood up and they began to lift their hands. And it was the diversity of people. That brought a revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus says, Listen, you gotta have somebody in your life who is different from you. And that's the beauty of Church Unlimited. I look out amongst this crowd, and I'm sure it's the same in the other campuses, and I see all kinds of different shapes and colors and sizes and ages. Some of you are looking for a new revelation from Jesus. What you don't discover is that revelation is going to come through a person sitting four rows behind you. You just don't pay attention to them because they look different than you do or they're a different age than you are. And if you want to really thrive and discover another side of Jesus, it begins here with the 12. I need somebody in my life who's different than I am. And it may be a little awkward, but I'm going to embrace the awkwardness. Some of you old people need to get with somebody who's young and discover how to take some risks in life again. And you'll see Jesus. Then he goes to the three. And we really got to catch this, especially coming out of New Zealand and beyond, Peter, James, and John, three who were weak, three who were broken. And yet Jesus invites them into his life and draws them close. One of the messages that came out of this last three days, days—that tomorrow morning, 5,000 people from Christchurch in Auckland and from Sydney and other areas are going to look at broken people in their world differently They're going to discover, I need a relationship with these broken people. It's interesting because Ecclesiastes talks about this really clearly. Look at the screens. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, no one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We oftentimes read that in terms of the body of Christ. But listen to the description of the individual. Somebody who has fallen down and cannot get up on their own. Somebody who is all alone and is cold. Somebody who is overpowered and defenseless. Jesus says you need a relationship with them because they need somebody who will lift them up. Somebody who will lay down next to them. Somebody who will come to their rescue and defend them. And we look at our Christianity sometimes and we realize, do I have a relationship with this broken person? These three types of characteristics define this relationship. He says somebody who's falling down and needs help up. Do you remember the story when Jesus is near death and they're in the upper room? You can't imagine the stress or pressure that's on Jesus and the disciples come into the upper room, but one person is missing. At the doorway, there would be a servant And because they wore sandals and the roads were dusty, when they came in to eat their meal, the servant's job was to take a basin and wash everybody's feet. But that guy's not there. The disciples walk into the room and they're grumbling. Where is this servant? Look at our feet. They began to have a discussion. Jesus is going to get ready to die. And they're having a discussion. And you know what their discussion is? Which one of us is going to be greatest? So they're having a discussion about how great they're going to be. These are broken people. Completely oblivious to their friend Jesus and what he's going through. Jesus hears this, knows this, but doesn't say a word. And he grabs a basin and he begins to walk one by one to them, and without saying a word, he begins to serve them. They have fallen down and they need somebody in relationship who will lift them up, and he does this by serving them. Think of whose feet he washed, he washed the feet of Peter who was always arguing against him, always had a better idea. Do you have somebody in your life whose goal is to just get under your skin? They always argue, and not your children, but somebody else, always argue against you. They're always fighting you. This is Peter. He washed the feet of James and John, two brothers who only cared about how they could leverage their relationship with you for their success to the point that they would have their mom go talk to Jesus. These are broken people. When you got to get your mom to do something for you and you're an adult, you are a broken person. You have people in your life who just want to use you for their own gain, and he washes their feet. He washes the feet of Judas. You have somebody in your life who just so surprised you because they betrayed you. And They spoke against you. These are people who have fallen down and on their own. They do not have the capacity to lift themselves up. And Jesus says, you actually need a relationship with these people because we who are stronger need to bear with the failings of those who are weaker and not just take care of ourselves. And when we do this, this actually benefits us. You know why? You discover that you are stronger than you think you are. There's more of the spirit of God in you and his power in you than you think you are but you'll never discover that power until you have a relationship with a broken person and you have to wash their feet. And what seems like impossible in theory becomes possible in action when you actually help lift people up. You discover that strength when you act. Those who lay alone but need to be kept warm. If I was... God, and I was going to save the world, I would do it much differently than God did it. It's one of the many reasons why I'm not God. My wife started a website that says joelisnotgod.com, where she lists many more reasons for you, if you want to know. But here's how I would have saved the world. From my heavenly perfection, from my glory and holiness, I would have reached down to this evil world just with my fingertips, only getting my fingertips dirty, and I would have gone, you are Holy. And only my fingertips would have gotten stained. That's how I would have saved the world. But God didn't do that. He came down and he joined us and he became like me. And he took on all of my sin, not just a stain on his fingertips. He laid down with me when I was alone and cold and had no hope whatsoever. He didn't just say, I'm going to redeem you. He says, I'm going to join you. And this picture is given to us about our relationships with broken people. You say, how do I do this or why do I need to do this? Something happens in your spiritual life when you do this. 1 Peter 4 teaches us, verse 12. Listen to this verse. It's really important. Don't be surprised that hardship comes. When you lay down with broken people, there will be difficulties. When you reach out and give your life to a husband and wife who are on the verge of divorce, it's going to be difficult. When you choose to be a foster family and you welcome a child into your home for two years and give your love, your entire heart to that child, just to have that child removed, that's difficult. That's a broken person. And we're tempted to not engage broken people because of the hardship and the pain. And Peter, inspired by God, says don't be surprised That hardship comes. Not talking about, you know, your hardship. But the hardship that comes when you position yourself to be used by God in this world. He says, but rejoice as you suffer for Christ. For if you face suffering because of Christ, what? The Spirit of God rests on you. When you position yourself in a relationship with a broken person, which is the heartbeat of New Zealand and beyond... Something supernatural takes place in your life with the revelation of God. Peter says, don't be surprised by this. Actually rejoice over this. Because we you know what's going to happen? You're going to discover the spirit of God on you when you suffer for the sake of the gospel. Because we're all wired with the spiritual appetite of hunger and thirsting for God. I, uh, a couple of days ago, I think it was the first night of the conference and it it was the evening meeting and I got home to my hotel around 9 or 10 o'clock at night and I was hungry, but it's 9 or 10 o'clock at night and so it was a hassle to order room service and there was a candy bar in my hotel, a crunchy bar, which you can't get in America, which are the best candy bars in the world, by the way. So somebody had given me a crunchy bar and I ate the candy bar and you know what happened to my appetite? It went away. Now, not healthy, not wise, but my appetite went away. Do you know what the Bible teaches? We have this spiritual appetite. But when we thrive and desire only convenience and ease, our appetite goes away. There isn't this hunger and thirsting anymore. But you position yourself in a relationship with a broken person and you need to see the power of God. You need grace to come through you because you're supposed to forgive them and reconcile. But you're in pain because of how they hurt you. That's when your appetite thrives. This is what Peter's talking about. There's an appetite inside of you for Jesus that is waiting to break out. It only comes when you have a relationship with a broken person. I have a friend, and once a week he goes to this place where teenagers are required to go, there or prison. And so he goes there to help these teenagers. And he takes abuse from these kids. They mock him. They curse at him. They have to be there. They don't care. And I ask him, Robert, Why do you keep going there? He said, I go there. I love these kids. And every time I'm there, I just so feel the presence of God. I said, Robert, what about all the stuff that they make fun of you and talk to you? He goes, yeah, you know, sometimes it hurts, but that's okay. That's okay. When I'm there, I just feel such of the presence of God pouring out of me through them. And at some point, it's going to begin to break through and crack their hard shells. Robert discovers more of God because he's in a position with broken people and being persecuted because of that. When you have a relationship with broken people, there will be hardship. Make no mistake about it. If you allow that hardship to stop that relationship, you will miss out on God. Make no mistake about it. He says when they're overpowered, we need to help defend them. Jesus didn't just die for me. Jesus battled for me. And when I'm in a relationship with a broken person, it doesn't put me in the spiritual battle. It makes me aware that there is a spiritual battle already already in the middle of. And these broken people are not always destitute people. It's not always a homeless person. It's not always a criminal. It can be a very affluent person living next door to you, but they're just as broken. He says, listen, you have to have a relationship with people who are different from you. Because in the body of Christ, one part cannot say to the other part, I don't need you. But you have to have a relationship with broken people. And as hard as that sometimes make your life, you can rejoice. Because you're going to discover the spirit of God. And sometimes what you do is you see this broken person under attack. Remember when Peter 5 says, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour? (laughs) Forgive me. But you know how self-absorbed we are? We always think that's us. Maybe he's talking about broken people. The enemy is wreaking havoc against people who do not know God and his power. And he's devouring them. And Ecclesiastes says, on their own, they are powerless to defend themselves. Who will run into a relationship with them and be a shield that says, I'll defend you in the name of Christ? Because they're under attack. Your neighbors are under attack from the enemy. And when you see broken people this way, it builds like a holy anger in you. I will not let the enemy destroy my neighbor's marriage and family. I won't let it happen. I've been positioned for this. And when you do that, you discover the power of God in you to take authority. Who is there in your life right now that is broken and under attack? And on their own, they cannot defend themselves. But if somebody who has the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead in them says, I'll be in a relationship with that broken person, then that person will be defended and raised up. It came across these last three days. We have no idea how much God wants to show himself to us. We have absolutely no idea how much the Spirit wants to rest on us. We have no idea the power that is inside of us. We've only just touched the surface of it. You will discover it, not just in here, but you'll discover it out there with broken people. Three relationships. I need people who are different than I am, the 12. I need a relationship with somebody who is broken for the sake of his kingdom and for the sake of my faith. And then here's the last one. And for many people, this is the tough one in our society. Jesus finally goes alone to the Father. And he's having a hard time. He says, if there's any way, and then he makes this statement. Not my will, your will. And the Son puts himself in a relationship with the Father who has authority over him. Now we live in a society that screams to us, never let anyone tell you what to do. Never, never let anyone have any authority in your life. And we champion the individual who forges their own way. And yet Jesus says the exact opposite of society. If you really want to thrive, you need somebody that you really trust. Somebody who you know carries a spiritual maturity and a wisdom you need somebody who will be in authority over you because as we learned during the conference we all have these blind spots that we don't know things in our life and when we buy into society's lie you're the one who's in authority of your life we're actually living in a lie that's not true and i can prove it to you at every campus this morning we took an offering And some of you really wanted to give. You desired to be generous, but you didn't. Because there's a fear inside of you that says, wow, if I give generously, I may not be able to pay my bills. So you wanted to give, but you didn't. You were not the authority making that decision. It was the fear in your heart that was the authority making that decision. Some of you have been hurt by somebody in the last week or the last month. And they have deeply wounded you, understandably wounded you. And I am really sorry, really genuinely sorry that you have to go through that kind of pain. But that pain in your heart, you've decided, I'm just going to stay away from that person. I'm going to remove myself from them. I'll say that I've forgiven them, but you know what? No. I'm just going to distance myself. Do not believe that you have made that decision. The authority has lied in the pain that is in your heart that has compelled you to make that decision. And what Jesus says is, listen, you're going to be under authority. Choose carefully. Choose carefully because you realize you're actually not in as much authority as society would like you to believe. And as much as you need a relationship with diverse people and you need a relationship with a broken person, you need a relationship with somebody who's an authority. And here's what that means it is not somebody whose opinion you listen to, it is somebody whose authority you follow. And I know that sounds so countercultural, but this is what the Son of God did not my will, but your will. And when you have that person, You begin to discover the wisdom of God in your life in ways you would otherwise never discover. When I was pastoring and we were planting the church, the church wasn't big. So there was maybe at this stage we were there for about six months and we maybe had 100 people. And I'll never forget this moment where a member of our church actually taught me this. He said, can I take you out to coffee? I said, sure. He said, Joel, you know, listen, I really value your wisdom and I value, you know, your relationship with God. And I, I need your wisdom and your counsel and i knew he wasn't just looking for an opinion and all of a sudden he gets out this folder and he opens it up and it was all the specs on a house him and his wife were going to buy and he lays it all out for me he says here's what it's going to cost here's what the house is like he said "I i got an honest question for you is it too much is it too opulent is it okay You see, we think the authority happens in these evangelistic revival meetings, which it does, but it actually happens when you buy a house. Is this a wise decision? Would God have me doing this? And I was so impressed by a Christian who said, I'm going to put myself under the authority of somebody who I really trust, who will be honest with me and say, should I buy this house? Because on my own, I may not make the best decision. This is what Jesus says. You want to thrive? Really thrive? Do you have somebody in your life? You don't just listen to their opinion. You actually value their authority. And they speak into your relationships, and they speak into your marriage, or they speak into whether or not you buy a house. It is at those points coming together as the body, you will never miss God. And you will make life-giving decisions. Three relationships. Do you know somebody who's really different from you? Do you have a talk in your life like I have a talk in my life? <laughs> somebody who's older, somebody who's younger, somebody who's just wired differently. That's when you find another side of Christ. Do you know somebody who's broken? I'm not, and I, there's nothing wrong with this. It's fantastic. I'm not talking about I volunteer at a food outreach I mean, you have a name of somebody. You literally have a name, and they have your name. Because they're cold, and they're laying alone, and they need somebody to lay next to them. Because they're falling down, and on their own, they cannot get up. Because they are under attack from the enemy, and they are defenseless. They may not even know they're under attack from the enemy, and they need somebody to defend with them. Do you have a name of that person or that family? And then somebody in authority. If we had a one-on-one conversation and I said, who speaks into your life with authority? Could you say, oh, it's this person or it's this person? These three relationships, they will give you a vision for unbelievable life, the abundant life Jesus talked about. Most of us in here, most of us at every campus, we have one or two of these relationships. Many of us, we're missing one. And I'm gonna close this part of the service with a prayer for All of you. And for those of you who are at every campus. i got to run off to the city and do uh, the service there. But I want to close with prayer first before talk comes up here. And that prayer is that if you're missing one, whichever one it is, maybe it's the diversity, maybe it's the broken person, maybe it's the one in authority, that even this week God will give you spiritual eyes to see who he brings across your path, who you need to take out for a cup of coffee, who you need to begin to build a relationship with. Because if Jesus said, hey, it's important for me to have diverse people and broken people and people with authority, it's a really good model for us to follow for our lives. So would you bow your heads with me, please, and let me pray for you. And at every campus, wherever you're at, dial in with us here. Just as an expression of faith to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. For those of you who are here, every head bowed and you'd say, listen, listen, All my friends are really people who are kind of like me. I don't hang out with younger people. I don't hang out with older people. I don't hang out with people who are radically different because it's just awkward. And I realize that I am missing out on dimensions of Jesus because I don't have a diverse relationship. Would you just lift your hand just as an acknowledgement of that? Just hold it up so I can see it. Great. Thank you. Fantastic. All right, now you can put it down. Now I want you to be really honest. For those of you who are and say, you know what? I love God. I serve him faithfully. But I couldn't genuinely give you a name of a broken person. James, John, Peter. I couldn't really give you a name of a broken person that I am in relationship with where I am, lifting them up, laying down next to them, and defending them. Guys, there is no condemnation in this room. Don't let the enemy put any guilt on you. Have faith and hope that there's a relationship out there that Jesus has wired you for that will actually help you discover how much of the power is actually in you, how much of his spirit rests on you. And at every campus in here in Auckland, if you were to say, hey, that's me. I don't have a relationship, a real relationship with a broken person. Would you lift your hand to Jesus right now? Just hold it up. Great, thank you. Fantastic. And then lastly, This one may be a little tough to answer. We all have people whose opinions we listen to. Do you have somebody in your life whose authority you follow? And you say, really, I don't. And I realize I need that. Would you lift your hand? Just hold it up so I can see it. Thank you so much. All right, put your hands down. Lord Jesus, you saw these different hands that went up. First, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the model your life was on this earth while you walk this earth. You do not leave us alone to try to figure this stuff out, and I am so grateful for that. But I pray for each person who lifted their hand, for those who need to expand the boundaries of their relationships to include different kinds of people. Would you give them, you know, just would you give them the courage to Walk across the aisle. Would you give us, Lord, the the divine idea of who that might be, to reach out to a younger person or to reach out to an older person with an expectation that we will discover more of you, Jesus, through that. That's how you wired this body of Christ together. Lord, especially as we've come out of this New Zealand and beyond, I pray for the people who have lifted their hand about not genuinely having a relationship with a broken person. And again, I pray that they would have this expectation of faith and hope that as we engage with broken people and some hardship that comes from that, we can rejoice because we're going to discover your spirit on us in a way that we have never seen before. We will gain our stories of how you work through us to lift up and redeem broken people. And I pray, Lord God, right now, even as I'm speaking, names and faces would pop into the minds of people who raise their hands, who don't have a current relationship with the broken people because they're already in their world. They're already in their life. Right now, Lord, would you show them who that person is so that we can intentionally obey you in faith Tomorrow, when we meet that person at work or we see that person in our neighborhood, with an expectation, your spirit rests on us. And Lord, for the many hands that went up at each campus, people honestly acknowledging there is nobody in their life, Lord, would you show us that there actually are those people in our life? We just haven't given them that place of authority. Would you humble us? Take the burden off of us to make all of life decisions and make our life work. Would you remove that burden from the people who raise their hand and humble us that we would discover one of the greatest gifts you give us is people in authority over us. That we don't have to figure this all out on our own, but we can make godly and wise decisions through these people who love us and have wisdom and through whom you speak to us Would you put the names and faces of these people right now in the minds of those who raised their hand and said, I don't really have a person of authority over me. Lord, I thank you that when you created us in your image, you created us as community. You are community, Father, Son, and Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we're not all the same. Thank you that we can reach broken people. Thank you that we are not alone and someone with authority can guide us through life. We love you for your design of life. Help us, Holy Spirit, to follow it so that we would walk in the abundant life you have given us. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. i got to run off to the city.